You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so sometimes the language is strong and offensive. Harry has a slight a slight chill, uh, I was informed before the show. So normally Harry would be here with me, but uh, Harry, Harry has taken to his bed. Uh, I, I, he says it's a headache and a slight chill. So we wish Harry a speedy recovery. Mark Warner joins me. Uh, Mark, I asked him, I said, what are you sick from? Uh, sick of my ass? And he said, if I were sick of your ass, then I'd tell you on the air. So, That's true. Uh, so That's Harry, true. Harry will be back next, uh, next week. Uh, but with me tonight is Indiana's favorite rhino. <laughs> the Hoosier State's worst Republican. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Did you wear this uh, atrocious T-shirt that you're wearing to the podcast tonight, Mark Warner, because you were coming on a libertarian podcast? And your smile tells me <laughs> whatever is about to come out of your mouth is a lie. Yeah, see, by you accident, did, total, not by an ac- accident, my ass. Now, see, what you need to do right now is so you don't look ridiculous, which you do wearing a Republican T-shirt. Go to wearelibertarians.com, and we have brand new t-shirts, finally. So get yourself, get yourself some freedom and put it on your body, as opposed to whatever that is. Freedom. <laughs> freedom. That's right. I mean, I have a plastic straw. Is okay. this okay? All right. Okay. All right. You're back in. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't want to break any rules. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Mark is a rhino. We'll talk about Mark in just a moment, but I do want to mention that we finally launched a We Are Libertarians store, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com. Scroll down on the right side, and you will see Shop Now in big red letters. We've got a special T-shirt that is only available till August 5th. It's our launch special T-shirt. Uh, so far, we're about two away from hitting our goal of 20 for the week, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that because we haven't even promoted it. We've got three different designs. There's ladies' tees, got a couple posters. Uh, we're, we're just testing out Teespring, which is a company that is affiliated with one of our co-hosts. Uh, but So we're testing it out. So I want to know what you think about uh, them in particular. But in the meantime, please... You have at least until the end of the uh, the end of August to get your We Are Libertarians merch. For the first time ever, we're doing merchandise. Many of you have asked for T-shirts, and as you know, Dear Leader is generous and thorough, so I provide. Um, so I am I'm very excited about that. So this episode is brought to you by the We Are Libertarians store. Go check that out. Uh, now I was off last week. I was visiting Philadelphia, lovely, lovely Philadelphia. Have you ever been to Philly? I have. Okay, what do you what do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty terrible, isn't yeah, it? They at least got some great food. Oh, but I, I had so many cheesesteaks. Oh, they're amazing there. Yeah. So, but that's about it, right? 
So I had great cheesesteaks. Uh, I went to Podcast Movement, which was a podcasting convention, and that, I learned a, a ton of great stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, you won't see a lot of changes, but there's going to be some subtle things that I might do differently now that I'm an expert, having gone to Podcast Movement. But um, you know, as I was uh, in Philly, I couldn't notice a common theme that I've seen in Boston and New Orleans this year, which is homeless people, and Basically, a general smelling of trash. Not the homeless people, maybe. I didn't get that close. But uh, Philly has a distinct smell, and it smells like garbage. Not as strong as New Orleans, but definitely a trashy smell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but the homeless people in Philly, I got to say, they do it right. Like, they're next level homeless. It's like in Indy, like in Indianapolis, our homeless people are just kind of like, they look pathetic to get money. But like in Philly, they were giving me a show. Like Brian Brian Nichols of the Brian Nichols Show lives in Philly, and he was basically like, "Yeah, this one guy cleans my car every time I drive by. He pees all over it. It's he, and then he expects a dollar, or else he won't let me leave." I'm like, oh, "All right." But uh, wow. so I was walking down the street, and the, this I had a, an earbud in, and he uh, he he's hey hey. Big man, big man. They always call me big man. I'm sure you get that too. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is not like going to ingratiate calling me chubby. Yeah, I'm probably not going to get you anything. Right. And so, uh, so I, I just ignored. I didn't make. And he goes, I hear him say to his buddy, he goes, "Man, kids these days got headphones in. They can't hear nothing." And his buddy immediately yells, "Snake, snake!" <laughs> which I thought was very good. So. So I go on another walk uh, the next day, and I end up in a CVS, and I'm buying some Claritin D because I have allergies and pollen and, and all kinds of issues now. And as I'm walking out, there, there's a guy in there who's kind of like running around, and he's you know yelling about his backpack, and he's clearly got some issues, and he's very upset about them stealing his backpack. Well, I, so I walk out, I get, I'm getting ready to leave, and the guy basically jumps the counter, steals the backpack and starts running towards me. Now, I'm a hero, Mark. I don't I don't like to brag, but <clears throat> so I basically like stand there and I'm I'm a big boy. I'm 280, 6 foot tall and he was he was smaller than me and so he started charging me and this employee from CVS runs out, tackles him, like puts him in a police hold. It was the most badass thing I've ever seen from a <laughs> CVS employee in my life. Uh, but it was it was truly amazing, and so so I just kind of stood over them because he had some he had something in his shoe like a razor blade. So I like I figured two was better than one, and so like every time he'd go for a shoe, I'd like smack his hand, and then the guy would readjust. And so he was doing all the work. I was just looking brave. Um, but uh, that is the second time this summer in New Orleans I I ended up having to call the police because another homeless man was threatening to kill me. And was like sharpening his knife, and it was just a whole situation, chasing women down the street. It was very, it was very like brutal. And so, you know, I am, I'm, I forget what it was, but it was in the last couple days where I was just like thinking about this, and I was just disgusted. I was like, ugh, why is it so dirty? Why are these gross homeless people everywhere? And I thought, you know, those may be people. They are people. They might be people, and I should probably not have that attitude. And there are people. And I think it was really I was watching something about San Francisco 
And in San Francisco, they have a huge problem with homelessness right now. And, you know, you've probably seen the stories about feces. They're, they're like, they're rated as dirty as like Indian cities because of all the human feces that are, that are going on in San Francisco. And I was just like, man, why is this happening? And so as I was thinking about this show, I was thinking about my own callousness towards these people. And I was thinking, like, how does somebody end up there? Because when you look at the people that I interacted with in in these major cities and in Indianapolis where I live, uh, it's always males, usually. Uh, And you you don't see a lot of homeless women. Um, But it's generally men, and they usually have some sort of, uh, you know, mental issues. And so I wanted to talk about homelessness tonight. Now, why would I invite a rhino like Mark Warner on? (laughs) Mark, why would I invite you on wearing that abysmal T-shirt? Well, first of all, it's not abysmal. It's kind of pretty, actually. (laughs) You look at it. It's it's kind of stylish. (laughs) Um, So you did invite me, and I was was happy to come on. Um, So I worked at, at Wheeler Mission downtown in Indianapolis for close to eight years. Right. So I spent a lot of time with the homeless community, spent a lot of time with the agencies, with city government. Um, you went on to work, at, at leaving Wheeler Mission to go work for the mayor's office. Yeah, a couple in, of years later. In a neighborhood capacity, were you doing anything with um, like homeless issues? At so that yeah, so my area was actually the Broad Ripple area. Okay. So the north side. So I dealt a lot with Broad Ripple area, their issues, um, Meridian Kessler, that area. There was just a lot of issues. Kind of inner city for those who yeah. are out of town. Yeah. yeah. So the, you're right, Chris. These are people. Yeah. And um, these people end up homeless for numbers of reasons. Um, some are drug and alcohol related. Some they lost their job and fell on hard times. Some are um, they came out of jail and they don't know how to function in society. Um, and there's some down there that have been homeless for, I bet you, you and I could walk downtown tonight and I could point out three or four people that I know that have been homeless for 20 plus years. Sure. Yeah. It becomes a lifestyle. Yeah. It just becomes a lifestyle. And there's really only thing you can do to help them is, is outreach teams and homeless shelters is try to get them inside. If you can't, you try to give them the things that they need just so they can survive out there. Right. Um, and so Working with that population, you've learned you learned a lot about them. Right. Now, you're right. There are some guys downtown that are problems, and there's nothing you can do about it. Sure. There's nothing you can do about it. But be it intentional problems or, I mean, I've had several run-ins with um, homeless people downtown. You know, I got, I was 20, I mean, I was a Republican then, so it was pre-2004, it was probably 2003-ish. And Bill Frist, the Senate Majority Leader, was at the yep. the Rhino headquarters over there uh, speaking. And so I got a suit. <laughs> now I was in college, so I had like no money, and so I cashed. I had cashed in all my change. My account was overdrawn. I had ch- cashed in all my change to buy a, a Speedway gas station hot dog for lunch, and so I had to find pre- free parking. So I parked a few blocks away. And I walk over to Bill Frist, I'm wearing a suit, and this guy kind of manages to get me alone, and then, like, 
looks like he starts talking to me and I, I'm not really paying attention to what he's saying. And then I realize like he's talking to me. And so I look over and he's like, give me your wallet. And I go, give you my wallet? What do you mean? I'm a broke young college kid. I don't have a wallet. I got ramen noodles. I'm white. How dare you, sir? No. So, <laughs> so I, I go, give you my wallet. He goes, yeah, give me your money. And I look down and he's got a knife. And I go, oh, sir, I don't have a wallet. And he goes, what do you mean you don't have a wallet? I go, I have no money. Well, hold on. And so I literally take my pockets inside out, the Hoover ears, and I show him and I go, oh, oh, I have a dime here. You can have this. And I walk away and then it hits me that and he just looked at me so confused because like what kind of balls on this kid has like insult me with a dime and and I walk away and I go, I should run. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what? I mean, because like to it. In his brain, I'm insulting him by handing him a dime, but in my right. mind, I'm like, here, you can have my last 10 cents, sir. Uh, but I didn't even realize I was being robbed. And then, you know, I, that was the final straw. About a few months before that, I had, like, decided to take a guy to Steak and Shake. He was like, I'm hungry. And, like, oh, gee, Williker, sir, you're hungry? Let me feed you. So I take him into the Steak and Shake, and then the police had to be called. And, like, when I checked out, the Steak and Shake people were not happy with me. <laughs> but I was like, he was hungry. And so, you know, you, you feel compassion towards some of these people, but you can get yourself into some dangerous situations. Yeah. And so I think sometimes people don't know, like, I mean, I, my personal rule is I just don't, I, I don't carry cash. I, I don't give them yeah. cash. Um, that is actually a good rule to follow. Uh, yeah. I so, think everybody should follow that. I mean, yeah, it's your money. You have the freedom to do this, right? right. But you're not helping. Yeah, so You're not helping let them. me ask because there I tried I always scan the podcast world for uh, topics on, on on what we're discussing and there are no podcast episodes about homeless people or homeless policy I should say really nothing like nothing the closest thing I could find was an econ talk episode about homelessness in San Francisco. And like they were talking about how you know I always give them money I want them to feel dignity I want them to but like to me I I have a different definition of dignity like coming from a background of addiction like I don't believe in enabling like I feel so yeah. let's let's start here okay let's start with the interactions that we have with homeless people and how it's seen on the other side of the fence okay so you're walking down the street and someone is panhandling meaning they're asking for money or they're you know there's somebody who is clearly maybe a little inebriated or there's something going on and they're talking to you like what is the mindset of a person who is in that state on average i mean we're not you're, mark is not going to give us the specifics for every person obviously right. um but in general when somebody is on the street panhandling and you know what what's it like on the other side of that interaction so i think looking at this and looking at the people that are down there panhandling here's how i respond to them a lot of times i will just walk by them um because one i know them <laughs> right i know them i know what they're gonna do and i know how they're gonna be explain that so some of these guys are drug addicts and alcoholics you give them a dollar they're gonna find a way to make it ten dollars and go get some booze okay 
or go find some drugs. So the whole racket about I'm hungry, can you give me money for food? By and large, you've in your experience, that's just hope. Most of the time, it's not. That's not what they're going to do. Um, the way to respond to that sometimes is to say, "Hey, what do you want to eat?" And I'll go get you some food and bring it back to you. Seventy percent of the time, they're going to say no. They're going to say no. So what I've done in the past is I've gone. When I've done when I'm done in the restaurant, if I have leftovers, I take them out and I hand them to him. Okay. I've had a guy throw the food away before. Uh-uh. After I turned around and walked away, I watched him and he threw it in the trash. Right. I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just gave that food to you. Right. But a lot of their mindset is people forever have given homeless people money on the streets. Right. Because they, well, I just want to give and I want to feel good and. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you're not helping. You're not helping them by handling, handing them money. Sure. You're enabling them to go use. Well, that's not my problem. You know, if I want to give my money, that's fine. You're right. That freedom, right? Right. But you're not helping them. Right. Because then, you're, you're just perpetuating an addiction. Right. But then right. you're the same person that complains about them. Right. At the same time, right. and it's like, well, you, you immediately walk away and text to your significant other. Oh, I was it, just bothered yeah. by a homeless. Man. I just gave him five bucks, but hopefully he'll leave me alone. No, he right. will not leave you alone. Yeah, he he will not leave you alone. And those guys, they're not stupid. Yeah, they they have their people pegged, and they know. And having worked downtown for several years, you know, and and being fairly naive in the beginning, I. I noticed that I started to attract a whole line of beggars yeah. when I walk in. Because they got you pegged, and they're going to follow you. They're like, "Hey, man, what you doing?" It's, man? it's, yeah, because it's, it's once you give to one, then it kind of perpetuates a lot. That guy over there, man, he gives good money. Right, uh. right. So, so that's. I mean, it just seems like a stereotype, though. It. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, most, the homeless people you don't see are the ones in the camps. Right. You won't see them. Okay. They're loners. Outreach teams see them. The IMPD homeless outreach team sees them. Um, whatever. They're loners. Or they'll come out on Saturdays and they'll get their handouts that churches come down and do. Sure. That's another conversation. So th- so there's different types of homeless g- groups, I yeah. mean, groups of people? Because some of these people that are panhandlers aren't even homeless. You're kidding. No. Uh, what do they what do? They do? They, it's oh, just... it's, it's a money-making scheme. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Especially the ones on the exits that stand on the exits. Like uh, where cars drive by? <clears throat> yeah. Because then you don't have that time to have like an interaction. No. And com- yeah, it's just- They're a, just okay. like, huh, here you go. Right. Here you go. So- I, I've always heard some of those that. guys will make hundreds of dollars. I a saw day. a Dateline where basically it was like a hundred thousand dollars a year. The guys yeah. driving away in a Cadillac. Yeah, right. They're not like some of these people aren't homeless, and then some of them are. So you're saying that if you're in the city center of pretty much most cities, a lot of the people that you're talking to aren't necessarily without homes. They aren't necessarily living on the streets. Some of them are. It, some of them are not. Okay. I can't give you a percentage of. Who is and who isn't? How prevalent is it that someone is just a panhandler who is just trying to make money? On the weekends? Yeah. 
probably half. Okay. So what are the different like varieties uh, of like levels, I guess is the way to put it, of homeless folks that you've worked, that you've interacted with? So would you say that again? So, y- you know, there's the panhandlers that you're talking about that aren't necessarily okay. homeless, but then there are the people in the camps. I mean, are there different locations? Like, are there different... I, I mean... Yeah. If you were to kind of categorize the homeless community, how would you do that? So when I was at Wheeler, we worked with outreach teams. Okay. And we went out and talked to them. Let's define what Wheeler is. So Wheeler Mission is a homeless shelter. And and I want I don't want to use homeless shelter because that isn't what they're designed to do. Sure. They're designed to get people in and back out successfully. Right. So they have an addiction recovery program. Right. They have uh, work program to where if you don't have a home but you have a job you can stay there for free while you save up your money and get successfully back on your feet right and so homeless shelter just sounds it's just 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 a shelter 19th century dickens yeah Yeah. and it's not that it is not that they are designed to get people in the door help them succeed back into the society right Regardless of whether or not they were, whatever the case is, they're designed to help them get back on their feet. Right. And so, and they have some major successes with it. Um, Learning about Wheeler Mission, I, I would encourage people to do that because what they do is they help people. Sure. So, for example, what I did is when we went out with outreach teams, we would go to campsites and we would walk around downtown and we would know the homeless people. Like, yeah. We knew those people. I, we had relationships with those people. They saw us coming. They knew what we were there for, just to talk with them. They they estimate um, in San Francisco, you know, I think it was either 35 or 6,500 people. Like in a city of in Indianapolis, where you've got a two million, two and a half million people in the metro, one right. million, one million in the main county in the city of Indianapolis, you're probably talking about a couple thousand people. So on, which doesn't I, seem irrational that you would that you would kind of get to know if you're working with that population, you'd get to know folks, right? right. So on a, any single given night, and I'm getting these stats from Wheeler's website. On any single night in Indy, 1,682 individuals are homeless. Okay. Okay? 580 of them were females of all ages, children to seniors. Okay? We'll get back to that in a, in a few minutes. Gotcha. Um, but, so what we would do is we would go out, talk to these guys, and be like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing out here? You need help. Like, right. And it was us... Um, the homeless initiative program, um, Horizon House had an outreach team, um, the Poor House, and then Outreach Inc. A, a bunch co- of us, a, a, a nonprofits. There's yeah, and there's not a city-run shelter. There's no all right. There okay. is no city-run shelter here, and so we would go out every night and we would talk to the guys, and we would reach out to them, um, and we would just talk with them. Hey, what can we do to help? Why don't you come see me tomorrow? Why don't you come see what's his name? Gary tomorrow at hip. Come and see us. Let's see what we can do to help you get off the streets. Right. Some of those, it took time to build those relationships, build trust. 
once we got that, they would come in, they would get help. Right. But some of these guys will not come in because of rules or they're loners. Okay. They don't so want to be around people. That's a question that I've asked you before that has blown my mind. When, when I've just flat out said, like, it's four degrees outside and I'm walking past guys who are sleeping in archways. Like, why are they not in Wheeler, Mark? Why are they not they, going in there? They do not want to come in because they do not want to follow the rules. And in winter contingency, and I that might have changed some since then, but winter contingency is designed for people to get inside and stay safe and stay warm. Okay. And the rules are laxed, but right. we ex- they expect, you know, come inside, lay down, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, get some breakfast. And you're out the door. But in general, what are some of the reasons that guys won't go in and, and just stay in the shelter flat out? Rules. One of them is rules. Okay. They, what, are the, they, what are some so of the rules? You can't bring alcohol in. Okay. Um, weapons. No weapons are allowed. Mm-hmm. They can't keep their personal belongings with them. They have to put them away and locked up. So you basically just go to your bed without, like, when you, you say personal. Your, so you, like, you, they bring their backpack in. Right. Or their bags in or whatever. We put them away for them. They would lock them up. Gotcha. And they would just lay down and sleep. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Don't bring that stuff. We have yeah. to lock it up. Yeah. It's, and it's not just for their safety. It's for the safety of everybody else, including staff. And that stuff can get stolen too. Yeah. Right. It's like it's protecting you at the same time it's protecting us. Right. And the other residents inside this building. You mentioned shoes once that I thought was really interesting. That they don't want to take their shoes off. They they want to keep their shoes on. Yeah. So why Why is that? A lot of a lot of different reasons. Yeah. They're either embarrassed or they, whatever it is. Right. They don't want to take their shoes off. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, there's a good story here because there was a guy that used to sleep where Wheeler Mission is on Delaware Street. Mm-hmm. He used to sleep in front of one of the attorney's offices at night. So one night I just went down there and said, look, how long have you been out here? He goes, 20 years. I said, isn't it time to come in? And he's like, I just, uh, okay. What I did is I went down every night and saw him. Right. For a month. He finally came to me one day. He goes, I'm ready to come inside. This was after 20 years of being homeless. Right. Is there a, a st- like a stigma to going, when you say going inside, that almost sounds like a, 12-step religious type there's you know (laughs) they don't like crossing that boundary is some sort of mental thing i think it is i think it is because if you've been out homeless for 20 years this is all you know right and they're scared Mm -hmm. they're scared of what's going to happen because this guy for example this guy just fell on hard times and he had no one to go to and so he just took his belongings and went outside and that's where he lived for 20 years right after six months, he had his own place. He had a job at the VA, and he was a greeter at the VA. So mm. when veterans came in, he greeted them, told them where to go. Right. And he's, you know, he was doing great. And sure. he don't know where he's at now, but he was successful after six months. Right. But it took someone to believe in him, and it took someone to tell him, look, you're better than this. You don't have to do it. Now, he made the choice to come in finally and get out of that mess. Sure. Okay? There's some of them that will not do it. 
There's someone who just won't do it. it is it just that it's you've suffered so many indignities that you just want to completely remove yourself yep. from any other person? Yep, because you don't... There's trust issues there. Right. There's... I'm scared because I was successful at one time and then I fell down. Well, okay. I think we have all done that. Right. Um, and there's just a lot of things that are in play there. A lot of it is mental illness. Some of these guys are veterans. Um, and, and they have that battle going on inside of them. Sure. Some of them have had, um, relationship issues and they just don't know how to deal with it. Right. And after so long, they just give up. Mm. And they're just like, okay, I'm done. You sent me a study, um, or Baylor University? Yes. And I thought that it was it was interesting. In the beginning, it was uh, a major cause of housing is a lack of affordable housing, you know, which is why you have such a high number in San Francisco. Right. You know, the, the not to get into federal issues, because I've been asked not to, <laughs> uh, because of some rhino's current job, but... Uh, you have various levels of government, you know, pr- pr- for environmental reasons, usually shrinking the amount of available land. Right. And then that rises uh, prices on the land, which rises home prices and rent prices. And then when you have attractive places like Silicon Valley to move to, it the and you also have regulations that don't allow you to build new homes. So... There's like 35,000 people that have moved into San Francisco over the last yep. few years and 7,000 homes, and it's because they have such crippling regulations yeah. on local home building. And so your your supply and demand is off. Your supply is so low, your demand is so high that the prices rise. Uh, and, and it's usually caused by the government, which then leads to people not being able to afford homes. So they go out on the street and then, oh, we need a government program to solve this homelessness. It's like, okay, let's, let's not. Government, not right, right. government is not the answer to solve this problem. Okay. okay. Uh, inter- let's wait for solutions. We'll get there. Okay. Because I, I want people to understand the, the, the intricacies of the problem first. Um. How did you end up getting involved? Because, like, to me, I I should go volunteer with homeless people, but I didn't wake up this morning and decide to go volunteer, let alone go work with that population. How did you make that decision to go and, so and do that? I I hit a, a time in my life where I struggled, and I sought out help. Mm-hmm. And that was one place that was really there for me right. at the time. And I got to know these people, I got to work with them, and I just fell into it. Yeah. Empathy. Yeah. You, you saw yourself in a lot of these guys. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and so when I, so I started getting in, in this and I started seeing real life and some of these people that I've worked with when I was there. I worked with people that lived in Carmel in five, six hundred thousand dollar homes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful wife, beautiful children. Was very successful. Started using drugs. Fell out down. Gave up. Walked away from it all. Came so, in, got help, got back on track. Sure. Some of these people came out of prison. Some of these people um 
um, they got arrested one night, right? And they lost their job and lost everything. The the reality, having worked with Rupert's kids over the years, is you've got you've got people that that uh, are low income, so they sell drugs because that's the only way to make money in their area. Yeah. Uh, or they were drafted into the family business. They get arrested. They go hang out with better criminals for about six months. They get out, and then they have one hundred and seventy dollars in weekly payments for their ankle ankle bracelet well nobody's gonna hire them because they've got right. a felony so i guess i'll steal to make because i'm not going back to jail and then they get caught for a, a higher charge and right. then all of a sudden you know they're 25 and coming out of jail and they have no prospects whatsoever right um and there's no community within their personal family that is is able to support them because grandma was making the 170 dollar and that's not a pejorative i'm and saying quit it's, giving. it's literally you know it's it's on the women in you know especially the black community and so it's a huge huge problem the war on drugs hits lower it, it it hits it hits both it hits all the rungs of the ladder because it's either the people buying it or the people who are selling it right or the and the people who are using it so what you're saying is homelessness really doesn't care about where you're at on the socioeconomic ladder. No. So homelessness doesn't care if you're from a poor community or a wealthy community. Right. They don't care if you're from Carmel, Indiana, Greenwood, Indiana, or Jasper County, Indiana. They mm. don't care. Yeah, meaning uh, a hoity-toity rich area, uh, you know, suburban Indianapolis area, or just a rural country area. Yeah. There's homeless. Homeless is a problem all across this state. Right. All across the country. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Greenwood. Greenwood has a homeless population. About 30 minutes south of Indianapolis. Yeah. Very, it's real close to where I live. Yeah. So they have a homeless population. Plainfield, Indiana, Avon, they have a homeless population. These places, these people, you don't, until you sit down with them and listen to them, you won't know. Yeah, so I thought in that study, what I was saying is um, one service provider said people don't become homeless when they run out of money, at least not right away. They become homeless when they run out of relationships. Yes. And I thought that was that was an aha moment for me because y- you go, how does somebody become homeless? Well, we all know in our own lives somebody who just has an overwhelming amount of, of situations where you're like, I don't know how that person's going to make it. I don't know how they're going to do it. They've got medical bills. They've got a sick animal. They've lost their job. They yep. they per- have you know health issues. Like how how is that person going to make it? And you know they make it because family let them move in for six months. But yep. what happens when you don't have family? What happens when you don't? You know you listen to Amanda's story on we are on we are libertarians. I was trying to make sure I didn't say Amanda's real name, but. You know, Amanda made it through where, and it's because she had friends and a couple family members who were willing to kind of give them shelter. Right. You know, a domestic violence victim who is being hunted. Not a lot of people are eager to open up their doors to let that person come and move in. Right. And so what happens six months down the line when they can't hold a job because the boyfriend's coming in and causing all kinds of trouble? Yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, and these are people who, it's very easy to kind of slip into that into that lifestyle without because it's like you're in a hotel and then all of a sudden you're like i'm out of money i can't afford the hotel yeah i mean i I can remember guys coming out of prison and we'd work with the doc all the time like hey do you have a bed next week we got a guy coming out right yeah absolutely there's a young man 
he was 19 when he walked into our, or 20 when he walked into the mission. And he was a sex offender. Mm -hmm. And his offense was when he was eight, or when he was 18, he slept with a 15 year old. Mm hmm. And he got charged with a sexual, as a sexual offender. This kid has no future. Right. Right. If you looked at the situation. But he didn't let that hold him down. His family disowned him. Everybody disowned him. But he refused to let that wall hold him back. Right. And he was very, I mean, he's successful now. Right. Very successful. And has it off his record now. After so many years, he got it off his record. He's successful now. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, his parole officer would come and meet him every week. And one day his parole officer looks at me and goes, I have no idea why I'm dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I was like, why? What's going on? He goes, this kid. What eighteen year old hasn't slept with a fifteen year old? Like well, me, but I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. But he's like, like at, right? Yeah, but a, look at it for a parole officer who sees all kinds yeah. of offenses. Yeah, I get. He goes, I, I don't. Know, it, right. This is a waste of my time. This is a waste of his time. This is this kid's life is over. But he refused to let that be over, right? right. And so, but this kid didn't grow up in the. In the east side or the west. He grew up in Fishers. Right. A very a suburban, white, yeah. bred, upscale town. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't care. It does not care. Right. And so I think people only see what they want to see. Mm-hmm. They don't go in and see what they actually should see. Sure. Um. So that's kind of where that is with homelessness. It's not... It doesn't care. Mm. So, what what kind of services are there for for people who are homeless? And, and when we say homeless, I mean, are we talking about people specifically without a home? Or are we talking about people? The population that you probably dealt with, like, define homeless for me. We probably should so, have done this minute five, but <laughs> whatever. No, that's fine. Homelessness is where you don't have a set address. That's the definition. Okay. By excuse me. By Rhin- standards. Rhino fluids. Yeah, yeah. Standards. But that's the Stand- standards. Yeah. Got you choked so, up on standards. So yeah. <laughs> so for example, you're you are couch surfing to friend's house. Right. And you don't have a home to go to every night. Like you're here and then you're over there and then you're over here and then you're over there. Right. I'm pretty sure Jeremiah would not take you in. But that's just me, Jeremiah Morrill. Yeah, the boss hog. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a choice. He's on my. He's on my network. I. I basically. You I, own him. I rule with an iron fist. Oh, I, okay. I could cancel that show any moment I wanted to. Uh, but yes, he's. But he, that's. <laughs> but yes, let's use Jeremiah as an example. The yeah. boss. I show up at the boss hog's door, and he says no. Yeah, you can't stay there. So then you go to Aaron's house, right? Right. And you, he he'll let you crash on his place right. on his couch. Yeah. And then you go to someone else's house the next night. You're considered homeless, right? Because you don't have a permanent place to go. And then I end up at the bottom at James Neese's house. That would be horrible. And that's where the drug problem starts. <laughs> that's where the drug problems start. <laughs> we in in our Facebook group, we took a purity test, 
and uh, Rice University put together like this purity test, and like so, the higher the number, the less you did. And so I had a thirty-nine, very pure out of a hundred. James had a seven. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I slept with a girl with the same last name. I'm gonna count it as incest." Um, so <laughs> good old niece. Good old niece. So finally so, off a of Facebook ban. So so yeah. The, so you're you're technically homeless if you don't have yeah, an address. If you don't have an address, right? right. So. Here's where people like Horizon House come in, okay? Somebody goes to Horizon House, they show up, and they say, hey, I'm homeless, I need a place to go, I need help. Their job is to get them connected to services throughout the city. Horizon House would call me a lot and be like, hey, do you have any bed space for these people? Um, can we, can we, we need help with this. Right. We did it. Right, we would step up and help these guys, and they would work with us. They'd work with Horizon House, and they would work with other agencies to try to find a job. Other homeless shelters in the in the city, yeah, police agencies, yeah. maybe medical or or yeah. So like, Horizon House has a medical clinic. Coalition or um, homeless initiative program had a doctor on staff. Private or par- private or public. Private. Okay. Yep. So I think Horizon House and, and Homeless Initiative Program got government grants, but they were still private. They weren't run by the federal government or right. the local or state governments. Right. Right. They were privately ran. They ran on donations, but they did get some grants from like Eli Lilly, the city, federal government, state government, whatever. Right. Um, but Wheeler never takes those they never take government money. Yeah, because once all. you do the strings attached, or yeah, yeah the strings attached compliance, to and yeah. it's just yeah, it's a nightmare. So, Wheeler has a medical clinic. They have a dental clinic. They have doctors that come in. They have dentists that come in and work with these guys. The biggest thing that you can do for a homeless person, if they're trying to get on off the, on their feet, haircut, mm-hmm. simple, personal grooming. Yeah, right. Haircut, shave. I mean, just just to care for them. I mean, is there a transformative thing in them that when they come in, they get a haircut, they get a shave, they get a nice set new set of clothes that they something in them changes? Yeah, absolutely. Because there are no strings attached to these gifts. Right. No strings attached at all. And so these people just want to. They just want to love on them and help them get out of their situation. Right. And that's what it's about is, is to love on them, help them get out of that situation, but at the same time, hold them accountable mm-hmm. because if they're going to come commit to a program, they got to commit to the rules as well because society, I'm on the libertarian podcast here. <laughs> society has rules. Right. right. Society has rules and we have to follow those. Well, rules. libertarians believe in societal rules and that there are certain basic ways that I mean, we're not libertines. So, so <laughs> like, especially on this podcast, I mean, there is a conservative nature where I do believe that there are institutions that make society run better. Right. They need to be voluntary institutions. They need to be uh, you should be able to choose if you'd like to participate in those. But there are basic social norms. But, yeah. yeah. So, so you have to follow society's rules. Right. And, and if an organization has rules for you to go through a program. You hear that? What a rhino. I know. You signed the social contract. I didn't sign no contract. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> no, you just didn't. Uh, 
Libertarians are going to come bouncing through the door here in a minute after me. Why are you having that rummy? Um, but, you know, there's rules. Sure. And so if you follow those rules and you're okay with being held accountable, at the end of the day, right, you're going to be fine and you're going to get out of that situation. What, what kind of recidivism, meaning what? how many people did you, during your time at Wheeler, did you see... Make it versus just kind of continually fall, relapse, and fall back down into homelessness. Ugh. I mean, I don't know if Wheeler keeps a recidivism rate number, but... They do. I, I'm sure they do now because they sure. have a bunch of data right now that they have and they that they track. Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I could take you right now to probably... 10 different people that I saw go through the Wheeler program and that are very successful now. It, it to me, doesn't seem like a, a thing that... We have a very paternalistic view about things sometimes where we think that if we just pick this person up in a van, give them a queer eye makeover... Oh my God! Impact their life, you know. Say some nice words to them, then they're just right. going to turn their life around. But it really is an internal struggle. It that is not that is not going to solve the problem, right? It's up to them to make the choice that they have to they have to change their life. You can you can be there, but you know. So it, it to me is another one of these issues of the heart where doesn't matter what programs the federal government passes to end homelessness. You're never going to end homelessness unless the person who's homeless decides they want to end it for themselves. Yeah. You have to make the choice to get back on your feet, right? You have to make that choice. Right. If you don't make that choice, then you're not going to, this has to, I can hand you every piece of resource I can hand you. But until you make the choice that you're done with that lifestyle, there's nothing I can do for you. Right. I can love on you all day. I can help you with everything. I can connect you to every service possible. But until you're ready, it's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so true of so many different aspects of you know, it's like fixing your marriage or fixing your weight or fixing your personal situation. Did you just call me fat? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, but like I, I've struggled with that where I don't want to go out and, uh, exercise, but I have to make the choice. Like, do I want to be old and sick later? You know? And so like, I've started running and going out and being more active and like trying to eat less and like, right. But it's a constant struggle because you want to fall back into your, your normal tendencies. You've got to make a choice a personal decision to to better your life in any way, shape, or form, and yeah. that's that's whether you're you know the president of the United States or the head of you know the Chase Banking Corporation, or if you're a homeless person, like, right? You're going to have to make some choices every single day to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, and and it, and it doesn't matter who's around you giving you support if you're not going to take care of yourself. If you're not going to make those good choices, then. There's nothing we can do for you. Yeah, I I can tell you from personal experience that I've had to make some decisions in my life, and I'm like, okay, it's probably time to. Yeah, that shirt was a real. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> it's 
Re- I knew coming on here with this shirt. The Republican. Gonna... I'm glad you did because it's been. Uh, it really highlights the great T-shirts you can buy at WeAreLibertarians.com. Now. Well, I mean, I have a shirt maker, and his name is Omar, and he's a tent maker. Uh huh. So this sounds made up. No, it's really. It's probably it is. <laughs> But it sounds good when they're like, uh, who makes your clothes? Omar the tent maker. <laughs> they're like, oh, it gets awkward really fast with people. They're like, right. oh, <laughs> So I was listening to this podcast, which I will put in the show notes. Um, it's Econ Talk, which is a great podcast, great libertarian-leaning show if you don't listen. Erica Sandberg on Homelessness and Downtown Streets team. Uh, it's in the 2017 podcast feed. Um, and so she's on this thing called Downtown Streets team. And she basically works in San Francisco where they have set up, you know, not, not a mission necessarily, but an organization where they have a, a weekly meeting. And you can come to the meeting, they go out and they promote the meeting, they, go, they get people there. It's almost like a 12-step type situation without the 12 steps. Right. You know, it's like, hey, if you're having this, if you're homeless, if you're dealing with this issue, excuse me, um, come to... Come to this meeting, and we're going to get you work. And it's a very positive meeting, and it's basically, you know, uh, what what she describes is that people aren't treated with dignity when they're homeless. They don't treat themselves with dignity, and they're not treated with any dignity. And so when they go there and they're met with other like-minded people who are struggling with the same issue, they're they're given some level of meaning in their life. They're given a job. They're given a debit card with $200 a week on it. And and it's all private. It's all funded by local business right. districts. And so what they do is they, you know, a local business district, let's say, you know, the Mass Ave Business District here in town gets together and they say, you know, we want to invite the homeless into our community and they're going to beautify Mass Ave. So what they do in San Francisco is the homeless people are in charge of cleaning up the streets. They get they come to this meeting, they're given this debit card, but they're also given brooms and mops and power washers and like equipment and work. And then if they continue to do the work, they continue to get their re- their card refilled. And so the city is turning their homeless into a workforce and it's all private, it's all a gift, it's tax free. And in the meantime, they're given financial counseling. They're given psychological counseling. They're connected with dentists. They're connected with various, you know, uh, groups that want to help them lift themselves out of that poverty. And they have a very strong recidivism rate of people not coming back to this program because once these guys start working, once they're given a purpose, once they're given a sense of dignity again, then they're not... They're, they don't, people, I firmly believe, and you can back me up on this, these guys don't want to sleep on the streets. They don't want to be homeless. There is probably a percentage of them who, if they're aware they're homeless, small, small percentage. it's a small percentage, it's a lifestyle that's the hobo lifestyle, right? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so there is a, I, I mean, what is the percentage of the hobos versus the mentally ill versus the guys who are just on hard times and will get their stuff together if, if possible. I mean, in your experience, obviously this is not a global thing. Yeah. But I would say 10% want to stay out there. Right. Um, and I would say the other 90% are a mixed bag of mental illness um, slash with veterans right. issues, um, drug and alcohol related or just fell on hard times. Right. And they have none of those other issues. Sure. 
Um, but those guys who are mentally ill in this program get connected to people who can help them yeah. and get their meds re- regulated. And, you know, like it's was it you that told me something about homeless guys in medicine and like they specifically won't take their meds? I don't. I don't remember that. I mean, if you're, I mean, but if, there are there are some homeless people that if they get help and they start taking their meds and they don't like how they feel, so they just quit, right? And they fall back onto their old lifestyle, right? Um, look, it's it's tough. It's tough because mental illness is a serious serious issue mm-hmm. that we're facing globally. Sure. Not here, not in San Francisco, but globally. Right. Um, and I'm not a fan of of medicine. Like, I'm just not. I think you got to be careful of how you prescribe it because I think. What about Viagra? I don't have that problem. Do you? <laughs> no. Okay. I would take it though. I hear it's great, but even if you don't have a problem. So if, you, if any of you listeners want to hook Uncle Chris up, uh, I'll look at my address. No, I think. <laughs> I was just trying to find like an embarrassing medicine, but you turned that around on me really well. It's like broadcasting with Rob Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, I think we're. The reason we have this opioid crisis. Is because we're just handing out medicine. Right. Just because. And that's not the cure either. I have always said, and I will continue to believe it, that it comes down to a heart issue. It always comes back to the heart. And if your heart isn't right and you're not corrected, if your heart, if you correct your heart, so, that's, the, that's the beginning. So earlier you said that government programs of any type just aren't going to help. Why did you say that? I mean, for a rhino, listen, that was a pretty... Uh, listen, government is not the answer on this. Okay. Um, it's just not. And the reason is, is because, one, you would have to, especially on the local level, you can't get the state or federal government involved in this because it's just not going to, it's not going to work. Right. One, you would create more bureaucracy and more red tape. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for that. When red tape and bureaucracy has a factor in, in, the, in, in causing the problems. Yeah. Be it the housing crisis, you know, PTSD and soldiers, be it. Right. So, illness. so for example, I mean, the a large reason that we have a homeless crisis is that we closed down mental hospitals in 1980. I mean, they're, they're, in the 80s, we just started shutting down orphanages and homeless shelters, and I'm not advocating for their return because right. they obviously had their, their problems, which is why they sh- were shut down. But those people that you know our previous generations felt were just undesirables, that they didn't want to be around, they, they, ha- they warehoused them. Right. And then you know, now you know, those undesirables quote unquote are are on the streets without any kind of structured right. help and i think there's i think there's a real problem that nobody wants to have a discussion about how to like structure the solution because it's uncomfortable but there 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 are just people who are mentally ill for instance that need help and so how do you structure a system in your local community that can actually help those people because it's a human condition it's the human condition. It's right. just always going to be there. 
and and you're right. Once you start involving the federal or state or even the local government, local governments can be great. Your city councilor can be great in helping you navigate bureaucracy or find right. local. Absolutely, they're there local, to help yeah. you guide you through that process. They're good at kind of helping you figure out who where are the resources in your local community. So if you wanted to get involved in homelessness in your community, you could start with your local city councilor or the mayor's office or. You know, there's nothing wrong with that because there there are community leaders who can connect you with private organizations that can really help you. Here's where I think government takes a role. Okay. They talk about it. The (laughs) leaders start talking about it. Right. And not afraid to talk about it. Yeah. So Senator Jim Merritt okay, is a perfect example of someone who's not afraid to take on that uh, take on an issue. And discuss it. Yeah, local so, local state senator who is the Marion County chairman, which is the biggest county in the in the state right. of Indiana. Heck of a nice guy. Yeah. Great tan. Very bad on drugs, but I have a lot of respect for Jim Merritt, nonetheless. But he is not afraid to take on that issue. Sure, right. He's not afraid to discuss it and bring it to the forefront. And look, you can give a lot of people different credit, but Jim Merritt brought the opioid crisis to the forefront. Sure. And it's being discussed now. Something like uh, the Lifeline Law. I mean, Merritt was right. instrumental in passing that. Where if you're if you're a college student or a high school student, you're under 21, and That's, someone someone is you know overdosing on a substance, you can call the police, and you will not get in trouble. Right. And so Merritt has been instrumental in in you know. So that's where I think government can take a role. Right. I think they can take a role by bringing it to the forefront. Sure. And talking about. Horizon House, We Their Mission, Homeless Initiative Program. They can talk about these organizations in their public presses. Right. Right. And I'm not saying Mayor Hogsett doesn't do that because he has been very instrumental in talking about We Their Mission and showing up at their events and talking about the importance of fighting back. But it's not enough. Right. They have to get, they have to talk about it because downtown. I worked around the homeless population for eight years. Mm-hmm. I was downtown not too long ago, and it's gotten worse. And it, it is. It's significantly worse than when I worked downtown six years ago. Yeah, and it's gotten worse. And the problem is, um, the problem we run into is leaders don't lead on it. Right. I'm not saying they have to solve it, because if they start trying to solve it in the city county council... They're going to just mess it up. Sure. Let's be honest. Okay. They're going to mess it up. When you stop arresting people for defecating on the sidewalk, you end up with a city the size of San Francisco with massive, massive mounds of defecant. Right. You've got it. And and look, IMPD, IMPD addresses this well. Their downtown homeless outreach team is amazing. And they've been doing it for years, and they're just a bunch of great guys. What what makes them amazing? Like, what, so what kind they, of work do they do? They go out with the outreach teams and talk to the guys who are homeless. Mm-hmm. They just talk to them. They don't try to arrest them. They don't right. go through their stuff. They don't do none of that. Okay? It, it's it's the sense of, and this is a you know a salient point from a rhino like yourself on a libertarian podcast. The sense. <laughs> The sense of the police just constantly hassling people, uh, be whatever community, they're just on my back. It's the Eric Garner, I can't breathe. You know, it's the syst- it's the systematic feeling of oppression from police officers, and so 
you know, it's very smart to have a task force in a sized uh, city the size of Indianapolis, you know, top 12, 10 city, yeah. you know, where you've got police officers who are not just outgoing, you know, you're not you're not treating them like a paramilitary force. You're having them no. go out and do po- community and policing. And they've been doing it for years. Right, which is the whole point of community policing is that we're there to have a presence in your community so you know Officer Jones, and so you can go and talk to Officer yep. Jones. And, you know, if you get arrested by Officer Warner, then Officer Jones can come and be an advocate and because you have a relationship. Right. And, you know, it's like that's the whole point of community and policing. And the thing so is, that is, good. is these outreach teams, along with IMPD, they go out and they talk to these guys. Right. How can we help you? Do you want to get off the street? There's here is a card with services on it. Like, how, go get some help. Like, what can we do? Now, look, if they're causing trouble and they're defecating on a business sidewalk or on a business door, right? Right. They have a job to do and they have to arrest that person. Yeah. I. You're violating someone's property. Right. You're putting lives at risk. Yeah. You got to do that, right? But, but these guys, these men and women of IMPD that do this homeless outreach and the, the community policing—they're top notch. I mean, they have done it for years, and they are really good at it. Excuse mm-hmm. me. And so, government has that has that answer to that problem, but they need to get more aggressive with pushing people towards giving towards Wheeler Mission. Sure, private organizations. Right. Look, we can't solve this problem, but these people have been, Wheeler Mission, 125 years right. of working with the homeless community. Come on. Yeah, in every city. I mean, every city you're going to have, and, and like if you're in a small town, there's there's still probably going to be, maybe through the Catholic Church, a local outreach to the yeah. poor. I mean, the Catholic Church is a great place to start. If you're if you're interested in issues of poverty and reaching out to people who are who are in trouble and at risk, the Catholic and the Methodist and and some of the mainline churches are really good about that. But evangelical and Baptist are kind of catching up in that kind of hands-on stuff. But like the founding of Methodism really was about social good as opposed to individual good. So so churches are a great place to start. Um, your your local your local representative of any any level may have some resources if you're interested in yeah. helping get involved if you if you don't have you know you could you could research the downtown streets team figure out how they did what they did talk to people who work in that organization and start that in your own community yeah you know and there you could is, immediately within a year start impacting people's lives in a very significant way there are there are so many different ways that the community can do this with government helping to promote it. I mean, you can have a press conference all day. Right. But until the governor, mayor, wherever you're at, comes out and talks about it, talks about it in reality. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, we're just going to hand out food and clothes. and just uh, nah, nah. No. No. We're not going to just hand out money and free health care for all and none of that crap. Right. We're going to help these people become productive members of society again that was one thing that um uh erica sandberg said about the san francisco homeless camps 
is stop bringing them food. They are begging people to not bring food anymore because what happens on these hot days, people come and they throw sandwiches out the window because they don't want to have a real intimate conversation with right. a homeless person, but they want to feel they've done something. You know, maybe they're as they're chucking it out their window, they're taking an Instagram photo to show they did good. But those sandwiches just sit there. And then it attracts flies and maggots and mice, and it just makes the whole situation for those folks even more desperate. Even though it's very good intentions, it's like it's not the right right way to handle there's, it. There's a ministry that I know that goes and feeds the homeless once a month. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to be involved. And I respectfully said no, and they asked me why. And then I gave them the whys, why not so that I wouldn't be involved. Mm-hmm. And they didn't like the answer. I'm like, well, you're not helping these people. Sure. Take those blankets, take that food, take those clothes to Wheeler. Right. Because when these guys and these men and women get the help that they need, they're going to become productive members of society again. Right. Let's do this. Let's help these people. Have you heard about so Wheeler has this one twenty five campaign going on? Mm-hmm. Have you heard about the the stuff that they have on the sidewalks in downtown Indy? No. So they had they have put these massive like cleaning things on the sidewalks in downtown Indy all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's called Wheeler one twenty five dot org, and they are raising money. To build a new women's shelter to add more beds, mm-hmm. okay, which is desperately needed, right? Yeah. It's desperately needed, and people don't realize it because the, in the op- don't the, in the opioid crisis, middle class white women are the number one victims of the opioid crisis. Yeah, and then secondly, there's not enough beds for domestic violence victims. Like if you right. if you look at the Julian Center, you know, in Amanda's story, she had to wait a couple weeks to get into the Julian Center. So. Which is the the domestic shelter, and this is happening everywhere. This is not right. an Indianapolis problem. This right. is a global. It's everywhere. See your see local listings. So in Indianapolis alone, five hundred and eighty were females of all ages, children to seniors. Out of how many? Sixteen hundred and eighty-two. Okay, wow. So that's pretty. Eighty percent were fleeing domestic violence. Wow. One hundred and twenty-eight families were homeless, and four homeless women were pregnant. That's on any given night mm. in Indianapolis. Right. And this is this is unacceptable. But you know what? People don't give towards stuff like this. Sure. If we, you and I, were to get scraggly beards, okay, straggly clothes, and they took a picture of us, put us on a mailer, and sent it out, people would pour in the money. Hmm. But you put a woman on there with a child, nothing. Why is that? I don't know. I. To this day, I can never figure that out. Is it because but this is a problem? It's because it's it, it's. I don't know. I think it's ha- having having been around the victims of domestic violence. There is a large percentage of people. It is not the overwhelming percentage, but it there is a percentage of people who, you know, one cop told a friend if you just shook your boobs at him longer at the window or multiple cops have said well what'd you do to him or you know women yeah. will go uh, well she's probably just crazy i don't know how many people as i've tried to help friends over the years like what's wrong with her you know so i do you know there there is it's a huge obstacle to women getting help in situations where you know they're just not believed 
Right. And and, and like that's a problem. And so I had a situation where someone was here, and uh, the guy was outside, <laughs> and I basically said, "If if you don't leave, I'm going to call the cops, and the cops are going to charge you with criminal mischief, trespassing, and, and listed off the charges." And he immediately left because he knew. He wasn't afraid of me. He was afraid of the cops because he right. knew that the cops didn't listen to her, but when they listened to me, he was going to get charged. Right. And that is the crazy thing about domestic violence is that if I'm standing there adv- advocating for the woman, the cops are going to pay attention. If right. it is the woman saying he hit me, it's it's like they don't they don't listen. It's it's they're not women are not believed by many police officers and law enforcement officers and it's it's very troubling, and and I don't, I don't get the mentality, and it costs thousands of lives a year. I mean, the third uh, biggest, the third biggest in gun deaths every year. The first is suicide, seventy five percent is like suicide, mostly white males. Right. Second is gang related, drug related violence, and then, then it's then it's women who are killed by domestic abusers i mean right. so and and it's a pretty significant amount of women so because when you have some of those situations there's a spot there's two types of domestic violence abusers right there's the guy who hits gets drunk hits a woman feels bad about it the next day may may not do it for 6 months but there's no real threat right then there's the coyote where it's a spiral and yeah. that person is hunting and eventually in 95% of cases it leads to one of them getting killed. Right. And where do these women go when there's not a shelter open? When the shelter doesn't have enough beds for her and her kids, family and friends don't want to take these women in. Yeah, they're 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 just as scared as the women are. Because yeah, I mean having <laughs> having been kind of a shelter in in some respects, you know, when they find out where you live, it gets real fucking nerve-wracking. Right. You know, and so it, it it is. It's it's not surprising to me that uh, I mean that's a definite need and and well and that's you know that's why Wheeler's doing what they're doing with this one twenty five. Right. They're one hundred twenty five years old. They have a massive need. Right. Massive need. They are at capacity every night. Mm. That's with their programs, with just the overnight shelter. They are at capacity. Why do you feel we're we're a less? I feel like we're a less generous society than we were thirty years ago when we were growing up. I don't know. I, I is it more yeah. demands on our attention? I think there's just so much out there. There's so many different needs out there, right? That they just don't know what to give you. For example, my church, where I go to church, Grace Assembly, that church gives. Okay, last year alone, towards missions, and that's every mission. Sure. The lady working with the pro-life community, the people working with the home, whatever it was. You know, we building, gave, building schools in India. Right, yeah. right. $682,000. Right record giving year for missions for us and so i i don't know i don't understand where people and i think a lot of it is 
they don't know where to go. Right. Or they're blinded to the issue. Some people just don't want to look at the issue. Sure. Like, if I don't look at it, it'll go away. No, I promise you, that growling dog next to you, if you walk away, it's going to follow you. It's going to eventually bite you. Right. That problem is not going to go away. And homelessness, homeless has been a problem for many, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's getting to the point where these organizations need our help and they need our funds to help them reach these people and get them back into society. Well, part of it is that you have the internet and so every charity has a marketing strategy. (laughs) And so human, human tragedy is marketed all the time. And so... But th- this is the demands of a libertarian society. If you want to live in a libertarian society, your time, money, and attention demands that you help. I mean, you don't have to. Nobody's going to force you to help others. Right. But if you don't want to live in a world where people are crapping on the sidewalk, then you're going to have to play a part in making sure that there's affordable housing and that there's you know I- issues of... That there's institutions that can help with homeless well, and, and, and make sure that they get what they and need. And that's the thing. It's like... I don't look at this as a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever issue, okay? But I go to some of these events and I see these people and they're big givers. Right. Big givers. And... Some of them, a majority of them, are Republicans. And I've encouraged, like, I've reached out to some of my Democrat friends and like, hey, give to Wheeler Mission. Yeah. I would encourage you to give to Wheeler Mission tomorrow. And some are like, okay, great. Sure. Because at the end of the day, they see the issue. Mm -hmm. And if more of us pushed more of those people to that forefront... It's like you you look at my social media. I do not talk politics on it hardly anymore. Sure. Because it just turns into a shit show. Sure. I've been pushing. I'm going to start pushing Wheeler stuff on there. Well, because I want people to start giving towards that. Right. Because that's going to help solve that problem. Yeah. So part of it is, I don't know, people, people don't want to deal with the ugly business of life. But right. uh, but it's here. I get it. All right. So final, uh, final. Let me ask you this: Are you willing to talk about Mike Pence at all? Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's what depends we're gonna, on what you want to talk about. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna leave it there because I'm gonna do do a teaser. So here's what I'm gonna do: We're gonna give our give our final thoughts in this episode. Okay. And then for our Patreon subscribers, as bonus content, I'm gonna ask Mark. Who you did what for Pence when he was governor? So I was the political director of state party. Okay. Under Jeff Cardwell. Right. And then I worked inside state government with Pence. And then when he ran for governor, I was on his road team. Right. So you've worked really closely with Mike Pence. You're partially responsible for him. That's why I call uh that's why it's really uh that's why I saved this for last. Uh but I want I want to ask you a bunch of questions about Mike Pence. So we're going to do that in the bonus segment. So if you want to hear uh an insider's account of Mike Pence and what he's truly like, then you're going to have to sign up at Patreon, uh, patreon.com/wearelibertarians and uh, $5 a month or more and you get to hear all kinds of bonus content. We're going to do more and more bonus content, part of the restructuring of of what I learned. 
But uh, so, um, as we end here, uh, just give your final thoughts on homelessness and uh, how people can get involved in their local communities. I mean, this is a national show, so you can't just say Wheeler. So, like, right. you know, if you're in r- rural America or wherever you are, how how are some ways that people can get involved in this issue? So I think a lot of the, the things is you can work with your local churches. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you need to do. Reach out to your local churches and find out what they're doing to help. Right. And if they're not helping, get them involved to help. Right. Okay? Reach out to any local Salvation Armies. Um soup kitchens, food banks, whatever it is, reach out to them and see how you can get involved. Sure. Um, there's ways to get involved. Money, volunteer, time, whatever it is, give. Right. Okay. The other thing is, is when you're walking down the street and a homeless person is like, hey, man, you got five bucks? Be like, no, I don't have $5. But sit down next to them and spend five minutes with them. If you have two minutes, spend two minutes with them because that can change a person. Hmm. Doesn't matter. If they're cussing you out the whole time, it's just like, hey, I hope you have a great day. Right. So if you walk out of the restaurant, hand them your food. The worst they're going to do is throw it away. Sure. But if that person says, wow, that person just gave me to go bag of spaghetti or whatever, wherever mm-hmm. you're coming from, that could change that person's life. Right. So, excuse me, get involved that way. Don't give them money. Don't go down and hand them a blanket just because. Right. Just get involved with your local community somehow. I, I'm a firm believer that people who work with that community, in any community, it doesn't matter what the right. issue, what the issue is, the best way you can help on any issue, and you've worked in politics a long time like right. I have, it doesn't matter if it's an environmental issue, if it's a gay marriage issue, if it's a gun rights issue, if it's the homeless, if it's a charitable issue. The people who do things on a day-in, day-out basis for a living are going to be better at it than you. Right. And they, the thing that they need more than anything is money. They need resources. They need volunteers even. And so, like, don't create your own program. Go attach yourself to other programs. Fourth, Fourth of July is a perfect example. Wheeler Mission didn't have any volunteers to help serve a lunch. So I went down and served the lunch. Go down and serve a lunch. All right. Mark, uh, if people wanted to follow your rhino ramblings, <laughs> where can they follow you? So they can follow me on Twitter at mwarner95. Okay. Um Facebook M Warner nine five. Every Friday we have an Instagram M Warner ninety five. I don't care what Trevor says. I started it. That's not true. No. Trevor actually started it. No, it's not true. I started it. Trevor started it. No, I don't believe you. And you two are liars. You're both Republicans. <laughs> uh, make fun of Mark Warner Friday we on Facebook every Friday for years, almost a decade at this point. Yeah, we're I. <laughs> I deserve an award when it comes to a decade. <laughs> Every Friday, someone makes a horrible meme about poor little Mark Warner, about what a rhino he is. <laughs> He's a very like rock-solid Republican, but it's just funny. Uh, yeah. did, when you go around, to people like make fun of you, like call you a rhino now as you go to like state party of functions? I, it just Has it caught on? Yeah. yeah. It is what it is. What do you think of Rob Kendall? You know, listen, you asked me that earlier. <laughs> 
I don't have a problem with Rob. Um, obviously, we had a difference of opinion <laughs> um, this past primary, um, and that's fine. And Rob's annoying, isn't he? Rob can be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, if I were to sit down with him across the table, he's different. Oh, Rob's a great guy. Yeah, Rob is Rob is one of those guys where you just got to go, okay, it's Rob. Some it's li- like what Abdul says about Rob. Rob is that little brother that you just, you got to love. <laughs> no, you don't. Eh, eh, you don't. Uh, but he's a good guy. All right. Well, we got to wrap up. Uh, uh, before we go, thank you, Mark, for coming on. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I want to thank Christy Avery, Craig DaCosta, Jason Doolittle, and Brandon Luke for being our $100 a month a Patre- uh, Patreon subscribers. I want to thank two very special people, Craig DaCosta again and uh, Scott Smith, for donating donating off of our Amazon wish list, which you can find at WeAreLibertarians.com. They both sent some cables. Scott is the, the, the person who uh, is part of the... He sent the mystery cable. There was uh, You can leave a note, and he didn't leave a note, so I'm glad that I finally found out who sent us this very expensive cable that uh, makes us sound very professional and very good. Uh, he he was rooted out by a Jordan, who is helping with uh, some of our Patreon. She's our membership manager. And uh, so if you're a Patreon subscriber, then you are helping... Uh, you, you will be contacted, let's put it this way, by, by Jordan. So... Uh, I she asked what would she be doing and I said you're going to be nice to people who are very nice and she goes I can handle that so uh, couldn't couldn't be a better uh, volunteer project all right you, we've said a lot I yeah. think I think we've solved the issue I think we have single handedly taken care of homelessness on yeah, this podcast it's gonna end in six months that's right <laughs> we've set a time limit get out there and volunteer and end homelessness in six months yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. And we will see you on Thursday. We are going to be talking to our good friend Rob Quartel live from Washington, D.C. Well, live to tape. Uh, And Rob is live from the swamp. So basically, you may not know this, Mark, but I was on a trip to Washington, D.C. I got stranded in Philly. This very nice gentleman walked up to me. We started talking. We drove the next day to Washington, D.C. after we got stuck in Philly. He was the issues director for the Ford campaign, for the H.W. 80 Bush campaign. Wow. Helped write some of the regulations that uh, Reagan implemented in the early 80s. One of the first employees at the EPA, Council on Foreign Relations, Economic Forum. Like He is, he lives in the swamp. He's a very iconoclastic person, which is why he's willing to talk to uh, us on a libertarian podcast. Um, but he's been a fly on the wall for a lot of different things over the last 45 years as he's lived in D.C., and so we do a series on the podcast called The Swamp Explained, where we have somebody who has lived in the swamp forever kind of ex- kind of explain how things work in Washington and give his right. perspective on things. So, you know, he, um, uh, he knows Paul Manafort really well, and so he kind of gives some insight on Paul Manafort. So you'll have to tune in to, on Thursday, and, and we'll explain the swamp. And he, he talks about the Jones Act, which I don't know if you know about the Jones Act, but it's about mm-hmm. shipping— and it is the most ridiculous. I didn't know anything about the Jones Act until he walked me through it. And it is you will be outraged. You will go. This is the. This is why government is is not government is a cancer. You will <laughs> when you hear about the Jones Act, you will scream taxation is theft. So tune in Thursday for that. And uh, until then, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Libertarians. I'm amazed you made it to the very end, and I appreciate that. And that means that you were a true fan of We Are Libertarians, and any true fan 
of We Are Libertarians should listen to our other podcasts. We have a whole network of shows. We have The Chris Spangle Show, where I talk about many of my varied interests that aren't political, a lot of podcasting talk. If you're interested in getting involved in podcasting, The Brian Nichols Show. Brian talks to a lot of different folks from the left, the right, the center, libertarian movement. If you love We Are Libertarians, you will love The Brian Nichols Show. The Boss Hog of Liberty. The Boss Hog has basically created a media empire in his small town and has taken over along with his co-host Dakota Davis. I think it's really interesting to see how they've built a media network, and I encourage you to do the same. Upward Political Training, it's a podcast where I've put a lot of training for libertarians on how to spread the message. The Cost, this is a podcast where we break down the human costs of government policy, so be sure to check that out. Raw Audio Politics, where basically I take unedited speeches and interviews and stuff that I want to listen to, and I put it in a podcast feed for you. Miranda's World, Miranda is one of the craziest human beings in a good way that I've ever met. She's so entertaining and so much fun, and I think you will love that. And who could not listen to Tad Talk? Tad Western brings you the rootness tootness good time this side of the Mississippi. So be sure to check that out. He's one of the funniest human beings that I know. And if you are chubby and you need to get in shape, then you can't outrun the fork with Brett Bittner, where he talks about keto. Yes, I gave Brett Bittner a show. And you can check out a bunch of other podcasts at libertarianpodcasts.com. I have put together all of my favorite libertarian podcasts up there at libertarianpodcast.com, including our friends Lions of Liberty, The Lava Flow, The Johnny Rocket Launchpad, uh, The Scott Horton Show is one that I definitely think you should be listening to. So go check that out. Lots of great libertarian podcasts out there. You may not know where to start. Start there. And we've also got a comprehensive list of all the libertarian podcasts I can find. Thank you for listening. And if you love We Are Libertarians, please check out all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.